This morning we want to begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, this was actually sparked by something that Dan said last week. Dan isn't here today. Uh, he request, they requested prayers for Katie because she's in the hospital with pneumonia. She's ill. And, uh, and one of her lungs has pneumonia, so we offer prayers for that. Uh, we put the close of our meeting today. If we remember, we can do that. So we remember. Also, next week, uh, just a reminder that uh, uh, the collection will be for Heidi and Ella, for her and her family. So, just a little heads up on that. Um, I was remembering this morning when Jesus was seen eating with Levi, and Levi, who's also known as Matthew, made a feast for uh, Jesus. Jesus called him away from his tax-collecting booth. And when he did, Levi made a big feast for Jesus, and he called all of his buddies, who are also corrupt people like him, tax collectors and all manners of sinners. And as they got together to have this feast, the Pharisees, the religious people, the temple people, they saw this and they grumbled against Jesus and said, why is he eating with sinners? And as we look in the New Testament, we begin to see God's love for sinners. We see it in the Old Testament too. But in the life of Jesus, we see it lived out. His concern, his love, his grace, his mercy, and his compassion for sinners. And when Jesus is, that question is posed to Jesus, he says, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I have come to call sinners to repentance. But as we, as we examine the Bible, it tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. But those who are self-righteous, until they're humbled, they'll never hear that call. Because all are sinners, all need to be saved. There's none righteous, no, not one, the Bible says. And God has laid our wickedness, our sins, our iniquity upon the Lord Jesus. And so... Those who were self-righteous could not relate to those who were known sinners because they thought themselves to be better than those people. But as it turns out, we all need the love and grace of God because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you see the ministry of Jesus as an outreach to those who have sinned. You know, when I was a young man, when I saw how corrupt I was inside and the way I was living that corruption out, I mean, we're all growing to come into this world corrupt inside, but we just live it out in different ways. 
until we come and are saved and, and we're cleansed in our hearts. And I began to realize and, and that I was corrupt and I didn't think there was any hope for me. I didn't think that God would want me. I didn't think that God, that God had any use for me and that there was, there was no hope for me. Because I saw churchgoers and I saw how well behaved they were and I saw how rebellious I was and against God and I thought, well, those are the people that are going to go to heaven and I'm not. And one day it was brought to my attention that God loved everyone and he wanted, didn't want anyone to perish. He wanted all to come to him. Come to me, Jesus says. Not use that are perfect and are and are and they're clean and don't do much wrong. He says, Come to you, me. Come to me, all you are burdened and heavily laden. Burdened heavily laden with what? With sin. Weighed down with sin. And Jesus' invitation is come to me. And I'll I'll release you from your burden. I'll give you rest. I'll empower you. Strengthen you to walk with me and not be under Satan's bondage anymore, no more under the bondage to the flesh. That message preached. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we begin Dave in verse 14 for the rest of the chapter. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what this tells us is that we all come into the world not at peace with God, in rebellion against God. And if anyone doesn't believe that, you watch a toddler, when they just get old enough to crawl and maybe to walk, and you tell them not to touch something, don't touch that receptacle, don't put your hands near that, you get hurt, and then you watch them. If you, if you watch them out of the corner of your eye, you'll see them sneaking over towards there and reaching their hand out and... You know, even the, even the firstborn child without any older brothers and sisters. And you see them reaching out to touch something that they were told not to touch. And where does that come from? 
You know, the child's only one year old. How could he even pick that up or two? You know, how could they pick that up? You know, where does it come from? It comes from within. We, are, we were sold into sin. We inherit it from our Adam and Eve and from, our descend, from the descendants of Adam and Eve all the way down throughout, throughout the history of mankind. And so there's, I remember one of Kate's relatives one time told us that, uh, that they're always saved. They never, they never were unsaved. But yet this is an argument against what we're reading right here. Uh, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Our old nature, our sinful nature, must pass away. There must be a crossing from darkness to light. It says he has got, that God transfers us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear Son. There has to be a transferring from darkness to light because we're all born into darkness. This is what the Bible tells us here. And it says, God makes peace with us, in verse 18, to himself, through Jesus Christ. He makes peace with us through Jesus. There has to be an acknowledging and a belief in Jesus, and that he died for our sins. And a recognizing of that, and an accepting of that, and a believing of that, for us to make peace with God. So this is what the Word tells us. And so, it says here that in verse 14 that the love of Jesus compels us. We, we talked about in Romans chapter 8, it says the love of God was shed abroad in our hearts. And we recognize God's love for us through the sending of His Son. God demonstrates His love for us. And while we're yet sinners... Jesus died for the ungodly. Christ died for the ungodly. And it's in the recognition of all that that God loved us. And this was his expression and demonstration of his love through us, for us through sending his son. And so, Jesus' love motivates us. It motivates us to embrace the message of the gospel. And it motivates us live for him that those who died should no longer live for themselves but for him who died and rose again we read here and this is what dan brought up last week the question are we living for jesus or are we living for ourselves and that's the challenging question he brought up last week and if we're living for jesus then we're embracing his life we're embracing his way of life. We're embracing his ministry. And as we read here, his ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. What's that word mean, reconcile? That means to make peace. We make peace between us and God. And then it says in verse 19, that is that God was in Christ making peace or reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So not only does God make peace with us through Jesus, but he's committed something to us. And that is the word of reconciliation, the word of peace. 
It's the word of peace to who? Not just to us, it's to others. To those who are not saved. To those who have turned away from God, who have hardened their hearts, have backslidden. God has committed that word to us. The word of reconciliation. This isn't just given to the apostles. Apostles aren't here anymore. You know, the twelve, the other ones, Paul, Barnabas, those, those guys aren't here anymore. So who's it committed to? To us who have already made peace with God, a word, the word of reconciliation has been committed to us. And that's why he says in verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? We have an ambassador, the United States ambassador to Spain. What does he do? He goes to Spain and he lives at the embassy there. And he's a representative of the United States to Spain. And the United States has ambassadors all over the world. And so do other countries have ambassadors here. They represent different countries. And so the Apostle Paul says, we are representatives or ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We are his ambassadors. We who have been made peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been recipients, we have received that peace, and now that ministry of peace has been committed to us towards others. We represent Jesus now. And it's not just the apostles. It's to those who have made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says that word is this. As though God were pleading through us, we implore or we plead with you on Christ's behalf, make peace with God, be reconciled to God. That is the message of the gospel. Make peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins, that God sent him, that this is true. That is the word that God has committed to us. That God has called us to represent Jesus Christ. Well, how do we represent Jesus? Just we just keep on telling everybody this? Sure. That's part of the message. Anyone that will listen, sure. God will open the door for people to you to be to us to be in contact with people. But it's not just that way. It's not just a lot of talk. It's a lot of action. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The message of the gospel, Paul said, is not just in word, but in power. He says that they will think it's strange that we don't live in the way that they do. And the excessive riot is the word in the King James Version. We don't live a wild lifestyle. We're not filled with anger and violence and excesses and drunkenness and pills and all kinds of drugs. And we have a different peace. Our peace is from God. God has given us rest through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Come to me, all you are burdened with sin and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Peace in your hearts. God has promised. It is a promise from the Word of God. And I have seen people come to Jesus and be saved and then have peace with God and then turn away. And that peace is all gone. Where is that rest? Where is that peace? It's all eluded them now. Come to me. Walk with me. Stay with me. He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And as you continue in Christ, you will continue in that peace and that rest. God is pleading through us to others. God has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. God is speaking through us to others. Let your light so shine before men. We must... Jesus is not physically, bodily here right now in this earth. And so he's using others to do that. Those who are in Christ. To speak through them. To plead through them, make peace with God. In verse 7, if you go back to verse 7, it says, We walk by faith and not by sight. This is part of the life in Christ, is to walk by faith in doing this and being ambassadors. We don't see things happening just because we talk to somebody, but we have to live the life before God and before man, the life of Christ. To walk in the love of Jesus that he shed abroad in our hearts. And Peter also says that be ready to give an answer to those that ask the reason of the hope that's in you. Why do you have peace in your heart? Why are you not living in fear? Why are you not on anxiety medication like me? Why is your life together and mine's a train wreck? Why, why, why? Always be prepared. So that when people ask, you're like, well, uh, I don't know, well, you know. We should be armed to the teeth and ready. Armed with the Word of God. And with peace in our hearts. And with the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. Be reconciled to God. This is how you get peace with God. Make peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the answer. Why do we want them to make peace with God? Why does God want them to make peace with Him? Because if you look into the Word of God, to those who do not make peace with God, not only do they have no peace here, and always scrambling and reaching for that peace in this life, but God's judgment is against them. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son will not have life. But the wrath of God, the judgment of God, is still upon him. It's against him. The wrath of God is upon him. God's judgment for sin. That's why we need to all make peace with God. That's why Jesus said, we must be born again. That's why it says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. 
He's a different person. The old way of life passes away. All things become new. It's not a, a, a fact of human effort. It's not a work of human effort. It's a, it's a move and a work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's why we need to be born of the Spirit. And that's why the invitation is there. If we have hunger and thirst in our heart, Jesus says, if any man is hungry, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The Holy Spirit. Being born of the Spirit. That offer is to everyone. Not everyone will embrace it. And that's why you read the great white throne judgment of God. Anyone whose name is not written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. Oh, that's, don't read that. I don't want to think about that. That's terrible. It's true. We read in Luke 16 the words of Jesus describing a man suffering in torment and pleading for someone to just come and take a finger and dip it in the water to, and to put it on his tongue to cool his tongue. He says, because I am tormented in this flame. It's awful. Jesus told that story 2,000 years ago. Man's still there. No hope. That's why we plead with people. Make peace with God. Be, save yourself from this wicked generation, as Peter said. Reach out to the Lord and be saved. God has committed that word to us, and that word rings out. <clears throat> peace with God, goodwill towards men. This is where it comes to, the cross. Making peace with God. I was listening to Christian radio the other day. I don't do it that often, but I was listening the other day. And uh, the program I was listening to, it, had, it was giving the results of a survey, a survey from evangelical churches. And it said in that survey, do you believe, there's a question, do you believe that all religions, all paths lead to God? 65%, about two-thirds, of those in evangelical churches who took that survey, to those who profess to be born again, two-thirds of them said yes. They believe all paths lead to God. That all religions lead to God. Apparently, they're not looking at the words of Jesus too closely. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What is going on that evangelical Christendom is believing such things? It says in the last days that people would no longer take heed to sound teaching. They would turn aside their ears from the truth and turn aside the fables. That's what's happened. So from there, I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 4, the words of Paul in the letter to the Colossians, chapter 4.
Steve, if you could read verses 2 to 6, chapter 4 of Colossians, verses 2 to 6. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Um, I remember there was a Christian movie we saw at the Christian cinema many moons ago. And in that movie, it was about three different reporters that worked for a Christian magazine. And they were sent to three different country, places at, at, to give, report on missionary work. And this one guy was sent to Africa. And he, before he was, went, went and flew to Africa, uh, he ran into an old missionary who... He said, well, I'm too old now to, um, you know, travel to missionary, uh, to do missionary work anymore in other countries. He said, but I can still pray. He said, I can do a lot of my best work now on my knees praying. And he says that prayer is the fuel for missionary, for missionary work. And the young man who was going to go, he said, oh, that's okay. You don't have to pray and everything, but uh, the, 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 you know, that's okay. You don't have to worry about that. Everything is now, he says, prayer is what is the, you know, opens the door to missionary work. And it was, it was really, and throughout the movie, as these three young people were in their different places that they were sent, they would kind of flash back to this mission, old, old elder missionary man uh, with white hair like myself, uh, just on his knees praying for the different, and he asked for the names of the other two reporters that were going away too and he was praying for all three of them as they were in and confront and they were confronted with different obstacles and different things as they were reporting and seeing things and it reminds me of that when I read when I read this passage that Dave just read it always reminds me of that it always goes back to that movie and that elder missionary who understood through years of missionary work what works and what doesn't and mm, you see here, in verse 2, it says, Continuing earnestly in prayer. Uh, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous man produces much, we read in James. And we read last week that God will reward us, who, those who diligently seek Him. Diligence, vigilance, earnestness. You see all these words connected with God answering prayer and God opening doors. And it says, being vigilant with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because we believe God will reward us. That God is going to answer our prayers. We believe it. That's why we're praying and giving thanksgiving as we pray. Being vigilant, watchful. The word vigilant means being on guard, being watchful in prayer. As Jesus told his disciples, you know, Watch and pray that you don't fall into temptation. See here, being vigilant, watchful, being on guard in prayer. And as we grow in Christ, God begins to give us an awareness of things that we didn't understand maybe as a younger Christian. 
And one of them is the importance of prayer for the things that we need, we talked about last week. But also, it says here in verse 3, Meanwhile, praying for us, that God would open to us a door for the Word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, chains, that I may make it manifest or be revealed as I ought to speak. This is an apostle in prison here. And asking God to pray that God would open a door for the Word. And also for me, here I'm in prison, I'm going to continue to speak the Word too. So wait a minute, Paul, that's why you're in jail. I don't care. I'll speak the word in prayer. I mean, in prison. But you see here, Paul's request to the Colossian church, pray that God would open a door for his word. It doesn't happen by magic. It happens through the sacrifices of the saints in prayer, in, in, in intercession for those who are unsaved, for those who have drifted away, to those who have wandered, to those who are backslidden, to those who are in darkness, to those who have lost hope. That word, that ministry of reconciliation in word and in prayer has been committed to us. Colossian church of that time is no longer here. The apostles are no longer here. God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We see people that are unbelievers that God brings to our life. We're called to pray for them. We see people that have drifted away, no longer with us. Pray for them. We see people we met from other churches that are struggling, having problems. Pray for them. We see people who have backslid in, in, in this church and other churches. Pray for them. That's the, word, that's the ministry of reconciliation. That was the ministry of Jesus. He prayed for his unconverted disciples. Simon, Simon. Satan desires to destroy you, to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. His heart was not yet converted. He had things in his head. But it wasn't all there in his heart. And shortly thereafter, he denied Je he knew Jesus three times. After Jesus was arrested. Jesus, Jesus told him that. He didn't believe it. But eventually the secrets of Peter's heart was revealed. His heart was not yet converted. <clears throat> we are not seeing, I don't know about you, but I mean, we hear evangelists telling how all these on radio and TV ministry saying that all these people are saved through the, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But all I'm talking about is in our communities, in our circle, in our neighborhood. You know, we're not seeing a lot of people turning to Christ. Part of it is the Sodom and Gomorrah world we live in. Live in. But part of it is that we're sometimes we're just asleep in the light. As the famous old singer Keith Green sang about. We, we hear the cry, we see the need, and we're delaying. Come to... Let us come to Jesus in prayer and pray for these, that God would open a door for his word. It doesn't happen just God doing it automatically. He has committed that to us. He has called us to be ambassadors in prayer and in word and in deed, 
let your light so shine before men to live the gospel. Where people see hope in us, not worldly minded. Not in the way of the world, but walking in the light, the fruit of the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. We read in the book of Acts, they says, Stephen, filled with the Spirit. There needs to be some rededication, some revival, some reevaluations done. Because there is a war. And in the midst of this war, we are called into the fight to be ambassadors for Christ, to live for Jesus and not for ourselves. And if we're living for Jesus, we see what his call is to be an ambassador for him in whatever way he's called us to be an ambassador for him. And however God wants to use us and to gift us and to strengthen us and whatever he's called us to, heed the call. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9, Paul writes, A great and effective door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries, many enemies, a lot of resistance. That's why he asks, for, he asks his brethren in every, all these different letters, he asks for, pray for us. God would open a door. We read it also in Ephesians chapter 6. The last of the weapons of our warfare, or the armor of God that we're called to put on, in verse 18 of chapter 6, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, and all patience for perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying for all the saints. And for me, that utterance, that means speaking, may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Still in prison. Still speaking the word for which he is in chains. Not going to stop him. That in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. <clears throat> Praying for boldness. Praying to continue preaching in prison. This is a great example to us and a message. He says, I'm an ambassador in chains. And the chains he's talking about were literal chains. But we can be ambassadors with the wrong kinds of chains. If we're still bound by the flesh. If we're still bound by the, you know all these distractions of the way of the world and cumbered about with much serving and not having time to be an ambassador for Christ. We're chained with a lot of, encumbered with a lot of things. 
And so the call is to be an ambassador to Jesus. Everyone who believes this message, to embrace it, to be make peace with God, to be born of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and to those who have done that, to us who have done that, to us as committed to be ambassadors for Christ. And to us as committed, <clears throat> the word of reconciliation, peace with God, that word has been committed to us. Take a look around. People are being lost all the time. <clears throat> as I get older, I see more of my peers. I lost a cousin yesterday, he's only two years older than me. 67 years old. You know, and I don't know what's happened in the last hours of his life. I know that I tried to reach out to him in recent months, but he hasn't returned any of my texts or calls. But uh, <clears throat> I pray that the, in his last hours of his life that he was saved, last days or whatever. Didn't really, really lost contact with him. But he was a childhood friend of mine, you know, as I was growing up, his cousin of mine. But you know what? They're all around us. Our peers are all around us. God puts people into our life, and we can just <coughs> be too busy with it all. Certainly, there's things we have to conduct in life, but like I said, there needs to be a serious reevaluation in order for us to, to be effective ambassadors for Christ. All of us, myself included, are challenged with this word of reconciliation that God has committed to us, to be His ambassadors, to take up the, the, the ministry of Jesus where He left off, where His apostles left off, where generations past have left off. With that, Dave, I'm going to Commit to turn it over to you if you want to uh, comment on that at all. Is it my thoughts are just toward um, I guess experience where you know we all are having like thoughts that our own things going on in life and our own struggles and. Sometimes we feel um, like we're not uh, like we're not use, you know, we're not useful for God um, because we're so inundated with with problems and you know have our own trials and discouragements and things. But you find out that you know people who are in need. They're they're looking for for common ground, and oftentimes our own you know pain and struggles and and our ability to um, still have a word of hope coming from us through that is something that is more powerful than when we're you know when everything is going great and we feel so fantastic. I found out numerous times in my life as we do all through the scriptures is that the thing that we think is going to be the most effective God pushes that aside he chooses the things that seem more foolish 
you know, um, and it might seem foolish, you know, sometimes for us to say, hey, we're useful even though we're struggling. There's people who can, you know, we can help um, who will see in us, you know, just a, a, an unwavering hope even though we're, we're in pain and they don't have that hope. You know, they, they're minus that, that one component. Um, I remember a long time ago, I, I, was, I was at work, and um, things were really going badly in my life, to put it mildly. And um, I was not, you know, I, I was a Christian for maybe a, few, a couple to a few years at that point, and... Um, I was in such pain like every day, but there was this woman who would just come around all the time and she had so many problems and divorce and, you know, just just lots of things going on and uh, she had been displaced and lost her home and, I mean, just, just really down and out. And um, I was on the phone one day and feeling pretty pretty badly. And she comes walking into my office, and I had a sofa, and she'd sat across from me and just patiently waited while I finished up the call I was on. And I got off the call, and I was like, I, honestly, I, the thoughts going through my mind while I was on the call was, oh gosh, please, I, I don't have it in me today. I just can't. I don't have anything to give today. That's what I was thinking, right? And I hung up the phone, and before I could say a word, this woman looked at me and she said, You have something, and I don't know what it is, but I want it. And I was just floored, because I, I felt like I was just the most useless thing to God at that moment. You know, but she saw Christ in me somehow, some way, you know, and it just caused me to realize that, you know, we all have, in God's eyes, we're all of value, and he, and he wants us to be engaged because He wants to use us in whatever capacity He's made us. We're all gifted in different ways, God says, and we form a body. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just be encouraged in that because sometimes in our, in our poverty, that's when, when God, you know, can use us the most. Amen. Um... I'm thinking about what, what I shared earlier about when Jesus said, you are the light of the world. He said that he was the light of the world, and then he said that we are the light of the world. And he says to let that light shine. Well, how do you let it shine? You know, you just talk and do nice things for people. But if you follow the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus was telling us <clears throat> to love our enemies, to do good to those who do evil to us. Those things are not natural, and those things are not the way of the world. This is a different message. It's not the way of the Old Testament either, by the way. And so, so the, to, to love people, to do things that are to people for kindness to people who are not kind to us, is what Jesus did. Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for nice people. He died for the ungodly, which is all of us. He gave his life for the ungodly. He loved the ungodly that much, that he laid down his life for them. And so that message is the message of how we shine our light. To not return evil with evil. That's part of the message that, that of, of evangelism, of the representative of Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. Well, that's what Christ did. 
He turned the other cheek when they struck them. He gave it, you know, he didn't retaliate when they spoke evil against him and cursed him and spit on him and did all manner of evil against him. He said rejoice when they do that. But also understand that many of those people that those people that are doing that to you, your response to them is representing Christ. Or not. If we return their evil with good, then we're representative of Christ. If we return their evil with evil, then we're not. Let your light so shine before men. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me. And as we follow him, we follow him and be a light in this world. By living like he did. By doing the things that he did. By following his teachings. Ambassadors for Christ. What does it mean? When Dan said last week, living for Jesus. What did he mean? What What does it mean? that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for for Jesus, for Him who died for us. We are not our own, it says in Corinthians, but we are bought with a price. The price? The blood of God's Son, Jesus.